But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Um, what a morning it's been for me. Um, I've been requested to sing a song, and uh, this is a song that I first sung when I came as a sunburnt Australian surfer boy to Cold Chicago. And uh, when I first saw your faces, I shared a song that I'd written some years ago just about some things that I'd been through led me to this song, um, the most honest song that I've ever written. And I want to dedicate this song to the Orozco family. It's a song called Arrows. And uh, for some reason, I'm always singing this song at a time when I need to sing it the most. And so I'll have the lyrics on the screen and so you'll understand. Broken, I came to you. I fell at your feet. Tripping over my regrets and consequence, now relenting, now repenting. These eyes need light. Oh, my head. Needs the oil. My burden is lifting. The arrows are tree at your word. I journeyed through the hinterlands. I swam in the leaves. I covered my face with the rain. This stain needing release, craving your peace. Oh, these eyes need light. Oh, my head needs the oil. My burden is lifting, the arrows a tree, and your word, yeah. of our fathers, the ache of the nations, broken into by the king of redemption, the lines in our borders, the red on our hands, like a plunge in the blue, there is clear. Oh, my eyes need light. 
are in your life this week, but in the name of Jesus, they're broken. My burden is lifting, the arrows a tree and your word. My burden is lifting, the arrows of a tree and your I can't even finish the song. Amen. I just want to thank Rachel and Jesse for that beautiful duet before, and it's great to see siblings playing music together and glorifying the Lord through song. Um, yeah, today's an emotional day, but church, I just want to say that I'm so excited about today, and I've been praying about it. Um, for me, it's hard. I, I love my family in Chicago so much, and... I've been able to build a home here through God's uh, blessings over my life, and it's been incredible just to grow with you all so much. And this is my last sermon. I think some people might have thought it was my last Sabbath, but I have two more Sabbaths left. So I'm really excited about doing as much visiting as I can. Um, I just really want to start, North Shore, by just saying thank you. Um, I've got so much gratitude, and you've been so gracious to me with all my eccentric ways all of my Aussie-isms, all of my flaws with social etiquette. You've all given me grace, and I've always felt really affirmed, embraced, accepted, cherished, and, and really nourished. Amen? I've, I've really felt so much part of this community and tribe. And, you know, for me, like, I haven't just been an associate and youth pastor. I feel like you've embraced me, and I've, I've become a son, and I've become a brother, and I've become an uncle and, uh, and a lifelong friend. And, you know, they're the things that matter more to me than a title. And I know that so many of you will be coming to my wedding in Australia, and that's really exciting too. But um, I just really want to just pray that you can continue to uplift me in prayer and uh, in supplication as I endeavor onto this new adventure that I really feel called to do. Um, it was a year and 19 days ago that I was here, and... Little did I know the things that I experienced. Literally, I, I came off the plane 24 hours before I'd been surfing in Newcastle, Australia. And so I come off this plane not knowing what to expect. I've got my two guitars, I've got my two surfboards, I've got all my camera gear and a couple of bags of belongings and clothes. And suddenly I meet John Grice and I meet Pastor Ron and Pastor Ray and uh, another uh, conference pastor as well. And I literally just had the one jacket that I, that I always wear. I have a green jacket. It's the only warm jacket I have. But I came with that one warm jacket. Um, I've got a photo, actually, of my first night of arrival after, after jet lag. Really, really brown. You know, I never wear warm clothes. And in those boxes, it was when I was struggling with my veganism. I have deep dish in those boxes. I had deep dish once when I came, and it was with conference presidents. How's that? So, uh... 
But, um, you know, I, th- I really believe that God is blessed. Just the next photo. It's been incredible just seeing how much God has really opened up a lot of things with youth ministry and young adults. Uh, more and more I've seen so much discipleship and um, so much more connection and seeing the youth being involved in ministries in their schools, media ministry opening up, mentoring opening up. And, you know, those are the things that really excite me is young people holding on to Christ and coming alive. You know, that fires me up and that gives me energy. And those nights of coming back to my old place in Humboldt Park where you guys are always praying for me, you know, 11.30 at night, 12 at night, just coming back so content and so full because God had been doing things that day in my youth ministry. Those are the things that gave me nourishment and passion. And I particularly just want to thank uh, the McLaughlin family right now and just for the way that God has really blessed me with you guys. I was homeless for a little bit. The McLaughlins took me in. Whenever things have gone down, it's been the McLaughlin family that I've called and uh, felt a lot of solace and peace. So I really appreciate, Bill, the way you've reached out to me as an uncle. And... um, Big news, so pencil in, March 12, if you've got your diaries, is probably going to be my farewell party. Some people have asked me about it. It's going to have a theme, probably like a Hawaiian shirt party. It's going to be the best party ever. So, uh, you know me, I hate to be at parties. I get really nervous. I'm really introverted. So, uh, no, I love it. So, uh, and some of you that couldn't be here today, some of your family, friends and things, I had some families that texted me asking about the sermon. This message is being recorded and uh, it'll be available on the NSYC podcast in the next couple of weeks. Okay, before I pray today, church, I need permission. Is it okay if I share a message from the heart today? Do I have your permission? Okay, that's good. Number two, is it okay? I need permission to make this a musical day. Can I play some more music? And you might hear some melodies coming in and out. You know, if you'd prefer, I could just quote Greek, like Andy Blosser. You know, and just speak theology, you know, wax lyrical. No, but today I'm, I'm preaching from the heart. You know, what an incredible day it is to be God's people. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just want to thank you so much because in you is true contentment. In you is light. Father, in your name, darkness leaves. Father, in your name, we have breakthrough. Father, in your name, Lord, church is a true a year of growth for me and for the way that North Shore has really ministered to me as your son and, and stewarded me. God, um, I've confided in so many in this church, God, and I think that's a blessing because, Father, so often pastors have to keep their distance from the congregation. But, God, the church knows me and they know my flaws, God, and I thank you so much, Lord, the way they have ministered to me. So, Father, today, in this last full conversation, I just pray you'd pour out your spirit in a special way, Lord, that it wouldn't be a performance, that it would truly be a moment of conviction and, and a moment where we can be challenged and our hearts can be open. Father, break me. Break my chains, God. I thank you that I can speak from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. It's an incredible day, church. Um, I just need to hear you say something Australian for me. Okay, because some of you have come to me and you're like, Billy, how's my Australian going after a year? How am I going? The Indira Orozco's out there trying to quote Australianisms. If you actually want to talk to an Australian and actually come across like you're like legit, what you'd want to say is, in this context, you'd say, man, I'm so keen for this message. Keen means that I'm excited. Keen, has, has anyone heard me say keen before? Keen? Yeah, one or two, 30, 40. I say it all the time. 
keen. I'm so keen for Haystacks today. I'm so keen for Mercy's birthday party. I'm so keen, you know. I'm so keen for Ogali of Skumawiki. Amen? Yeah. They hear it. So the thing is, today, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I'm keen to hear from God. Can you say that? I'm keen. I'm keen to hear. That's great. Church, it's awesome. I really just hope that we're alive today. Because today is a day that our souls can be awakened. As you can see, the title on the screen is a message that is a bit more peculiar. Oh, yeah, before I jump to that, I just want to give a shout-out to North Shore uh, School Academy. It's, it's been so amazing just journeying with you and just seeing decisions being made. Um, we had 12 decisions for baptism just a few weeks ago, a week of worship. And we're starting to do some baptismal studies now. And, you know, I've loved working with Mr. T and just seeing the revival that is happening. But the title of this message today is something peculiar, and some of you guys saw the bulletin, you're probably like, Billy, what is he up to now? This is the longest sermon title I've ever seen, and that was kind of on purpose. I'm going to turn to it. The end of everything normal. The end of everything normal. A 29-year-old's reflection and revelation of a Christ-pursuing life. Brothers and sisters, uncle and aunties, grandma, grandpa, I want to tell you today that life in Christ is not a normal life. It's not normal, it's abnormal. And there are so many aspects that I could talk about the difference that our life is to that of the world. A Christian has an indwelling theology to forgive in a situation of deep hurt and betrayal. We have, we have a way to think about that, that through Christ, forgiveness prevails. A Christian has the ability to undergo hardship and remain in a place of peace and joy. A Christian is able to bring a light into a room that is so dark. A Christian has the ability every day to speak such truth and life into another person intentionally. The Christian life is not a normal life because the indwelling spirit of Christ dwells in us. But what's happened is that we've kind of made Christianity into a function and we've made it into an operation. We've made it into an ideology but I believe that, you know, even in my experience here, I've seen so many souls come alive. And, you know, when I see someone like Mr. T, Mr. T, are you here today? He's not. I can't hear him. I can't see his smile. When I see Mr. T, I don't see normal. Am I preaching to anyone? When I see Mr. T, I, I cannot help but feel so embraced and, and so believed in. And so fathered. You know, you can't walk away from Mr. T and not feel a sense of, of passion coming from God's kingdom. You feel something, you experience something that is deep and authentic and supernatural. And you see Mr. T as someone who really walks in conviction and authority. And this is not normal. I don't see Mr. T's all over Chicago. I really, really don't. I don't see Mr. T's all over Australia. When I look at Nate and Ellie Ash... I don't see normal teenagers. I see men that are walking with conviction. I call these, some would say that they're teens, but I call these young men, young men for a reason because I really believe that God is leading them in such a way. I don't see these guys worshipping pop culture or getting lost in pluralism or just gossiping or just sitting on their Xbox all day. I see young men that are following conviction and following truth, believing it, walking in it. They're different. 
and I've seen them rise up as leaders. And I know that Eliash and Nate would want to decry, yes, it is the end of everything normal when Christ invades the heart. And we stand out and we pop, just like Daniel in Babylon, we stand out. But so often we just go through our normal lives, we go to our Sabbath lunches, we go to the gym, we go home, we do what we do. But I really, really believe, as we hear from Paul today, his ability to go through life as a Christian, to suffer as a Christian, and to bring light into a dark place as a Christian challenges me. And we're going to jump over to Philippians in a moment. I just want to share a story that happened to me this week because something occurred to me that really moved me. I I ministered for some years as a chaplain in schools. I worked in schools for a few years now, and I love working in schools as a chaplain and as a teacher. And some time ago, I was living in a place called Crescent Head, which is one of the surf capitals of Australia. It's got a really, really long wave. And there was a really, really big Adventist school. This school, Kempsey, is a school of about 600 kids. And so it's big. Australian Adventist schools get a lot of government funding, and so schools are bigger. But I used to run Connect Groups, and many of our young people have enjoyed Connect Groups over the last year. But I pioneered Connect Groups, um, which is, if you don't know what Connect is, it's just youth gathering together intentionally for faith and community and for fellowship. And we would literally have so many kids that came from really, really broken situations. Kempsey is a place with very, socio, very low socioeconomic culture and climate. So these kids would come out and feel such embrace and they'd, ab- they'd be able to come out of their broken situations in their homes and just have some time of solace and peace and healing. And one of my, one of my coolest girls in this group was a girl called Hope. Her name was Hope Elford. Hope was someone that was raised by her grandmother. And Hope was someone that was really getting involved in praise team and coming every week. She was unchurched, but coming to Connect Group every week faithfully, really involved, bringing food and bringing friends to Connect Group. But I received some tragic news about 120 hours ago. Um, And I just read this message from one of my other girls that was also in Connect, and she's in a really, with, with many tears in my heart, I read this message coming from Australia. Hey, I'm sorry to inform you in case you haven't heard, Pastor Billy, but Hope Elford passed away last afternoon. So just five days ago, and I'm like, Ash. And I just dropped to my knees, and I was like, what? No way. This is over Facebook. This is the most devastating news ever, and my heart was just breaking. And then she said, and I said, like, because... She was someone who's very, very emotionally insecure, and I was like, it couldn't have been suicide. I pray, Lord Jesus, it was not suicide. She said, no, she had a seizure, and she knocked her head, and she was placed on life support for a while, but was not receiving any blood to the brain. And I said, oh my goodness, she was such an amazing girl, and we were just talking. She was, and I know how much she adored you and Miss T. Miss T was the other chaplain. And I said, Ash, that's such kind words. She says, thank you. I can still remember our last conversation that I ever had with Hope. And it was about our Crescent Head Connect and how much fun we had. I was like, that's insane. And so the last thing that she ever heard Hope say was about the Christ that she experienced through Connect Group. And to me, it just melts my heart, you know, that, you know, that living life as, as a Christian young man is different and it's awkward for so many people. But when you can have an impact on someone's life and that they can receive hope and peace and learn about the Father that you know. And in a place where everyone else, that was my age in Crescent Head, where 
you know, they're all surfers and they're all partying and like literally, like it was almost like going back to high school for me. I'd go to go surfing. I'd, I'd have one of my kids that I was mentoring and these guys would say dirty jokes around my young friends that I was mentoring to try and tear me down, to break my heart. That's what I was surrounded by as Billy, this Ned Flanders Christian who's so different. I don't even care. If I can live an abnormal life, that seems weird to some people, but if I'm having access to your kingdom and bringing your kingdom to these kids' lives, it's all that matters. And so, uh, you know, I just want to say that, you know, there's three big ideas that I want to bring home today. So I called it Billy's Three Big Mega Ideas in his last mega message. So if you've got any pens today, I always say that if you don't take notes, you're going to forget within the next 24 hours 90% of what I said. If you're using your phones today, you know, I'll just trust that you're not on Snapchat or Tinder, that you're focusing. Can we just have these points on the screen, Nate? Billy's three big ideas on his last mega sermon of a lifetime. Okay, thought about this. Our normal is flipped because Christ makes us content no matter what our circumstance. Okay, our normal number one. I'm going to be breaking this apart in the life of Paul, but our normal is flipped. And church, I'm sure there's a million testimonies today. As I came through Sabbath school today, I saw some people giving testimonies about the prayer from mothers over them and how that prayer changed their lives. But I'm sure there's so many prayers of your darkest days still feeling the peace of God's spirit over your life. And even though you're experiencing hell, you experience a joy that could not be explained. Isn't that a supernatural thing? It's not normal. This is the end of everything normal. Number two, our normal is flipped because in Christ we rejoice in hardship. Because trials purge our character and build our kingdom resilience. Trials, the hardest days that we have build character and they purge out things that we didn't realize before and as some of you know this week has been actually the hardest week of my whole year in Chicago and there's so many things that were tested in me and so many things that surfaced because I was put in an uncomfortable situation where a lot of things were lost but building resilience we're going to be talking about resilience today number three Our normal is flipped because in Christ we have the ability to light up the darkest room. To light up the darkest room. We're just going to go to the screen. We're going to turn to our first scripture. And Nate read great this morning um, a chapter from Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. We can just turn there. Sorry, the the writing's a little bit small for this text. But it's Philippians chapter 3 verse 7. Just because of time, I'm just going to be pulling out a couple of texts from this and then moving on. But I did bring up this text a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching, and I just wanted to emphasize a different part. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul has been talking about his life as a religious man and how it took away from his knowing of Jesus. But he says that, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. He lost all things, but had this contentment of knowing Christ. And then in bold, as you can see, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ, yes. To know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Christ. 
So living a life that is not different isn't following religious rites and duties. Paul decries, I want to know Christ. I just want to know Christ and participate in his sufferings. And isn't that a flip? The desire is not glory. The desire is to participate in a ministry of suffering. I don't see that marketed on Facebook ads or YouTube ads. Hey, sign up for suffering, guys. Woo! And get a holiday for free. You know, you don't get to see these things. Like it's pop culture markets, worldly beauty of purchase this and you receive comfort. Purchase this, you'll experience a feeling of elation. In Christ, Paul is saying that we can rejoice in suffering. The end of everything normal. I want to say it's difficult when we talk about knowing Christ, and I've experienced this so much in Chicago because so many people talk about Jesus and so many people talk about God, but I want to tell you what, that it's so easy to be talking about Jesus but talking about a different Jesus. It's so easy to be talking about a God or a Father in Heaven and talking about a different God and a different Father in Heaven. Because for a lot of my friends within Australia and in Chicago, they really do believe that Jesus came to save us from an angry God. That Jesus has come to save us from the hands of a Father who would crush you. Just as you read, if you can Google, sin is in the hand of an angry God, a Puritan speech given by, I think, John Owens or one of the Puritan writers. But this idea that if you don't choose Christ, if you don't choose God, then you'll actually be roasted in an oven for all of eternity. All of eternity, just over and over, just agony. And probably in that place, there's pirates and there's snakes and there's demons, all enjoying you getting roasted by this force that has come from God and, and your smoke will never go out. But I tell you what, that's not the God that I serve and that's not the God that we believe in. And, and what's crazy to me is that if you believe in that kind of a God, then Jesus just came to save you from that God. And you miss just the knowledge of Jesus is amazing. Jesus is my elder brother. Jesus has saved me. And instead of just thinking, I am lost in that love and I'm changed and I'm transformed in that love, you're like, thank you, Jesus, that you gave me a ticket out of hell. And I can now come to church and I can just enjoy my thing, go home and come to church, go home. Church, to know Christ, to know Christ, yes, to know him. You know, and, and if it could be that the overflow of us just being lost in the presence of Christ, if people would just feel a touch of heaven, that, that's my desire. That anyone who would come in contact with me would walk away feeling empowered and nourished and cherished. So let's continue on to Philippians 4. Philippians 4 verse 10, we're going to read here. Paul is writing from a Roman prison and he's writing to a church in Philippi. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me because he just received a gift from them, maybe a financial gift. You're indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. For I've learned when things are going well in my life, for I've learned when my marriage is spot on. For I've learned when I can pay for school fees. For I've learned when I have enough Instagram followers. No. For I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Isn't that amazing? That you would have no need of nothing because you're so content as God's child. I love that because it's something that we learn. Resilience in Christ isn't something that comes overnight. It comes through a constant trust and a focus 
from the things that are around to the things that are above. And I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound, verse 12. And in every and every, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. It's a secret. Some theologians say that this kind of language was used within Greek religion and Greek philosophy because to enter into a Greek or a Roman cult, there would be secrets and Gnostic secrets and mysteries that you had to know to enter into this experience with the divine, to the gods and the, and, and the many gods. But he uses this language as, as like, wow, this is a thing of how we begin to encounter the divine. And he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Sometimes we open up the scripture and we turn to this passage and we go straight to, I can do all things, I can do all things. And a lot of the time when I heard this scripture quoted to me, I was always thinking of power. I'm like, I'm tired today, but I can get through all things. I'm feeling this, but I can get through all things. But it's coming out of a context of learning Christ-like resilience. It's coming out of a context of saying, yes, I can experience anything that comes in my way for the sake of Christ because of the faith of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me out of context of I've just been through hell. Paul his prison that he was in, some theologians say that he was chained to a prison guard and who knows what that prison guard would do to him. But in such a place of contentment and he's being sent monetary gifts from his church but he's saying, I, I really appreciate, I feel loved from you guys sending this but I didn't need your money. I didn't need your stuff because I was already as rich as a king because in Christ I have everything. You know, other translations say that he's not disturbed or disquieted. He's not disturbed by it. And for me, as a suburban, young, middle, upper class Australian, I, walk, I just hang my head in shame. The things that I need to go my way so I can feel content. You know, Paul is in a situation where he could be sentenced to execution at any moment. He doesn't know. But he's writing. You know, just after worship night last Saturday night, I, I left that building with such contentment and joy because I'd just seen so much people, so many people worshipping and so many people just excited about the gospel and what God was doing within our youth ministry. And obviously for me, having my little sister who is my best friend with me was just the, the coolest thing and the way that she could see you all. And she literally was standing with me at the door and just being like, Billy, these people are beautiful, you know. You love them. They love you. This is amazing. She experienced that. But we left worship night and we were going to spend some time with some other friends in the city. And, you know, we just had a great time. We had some dinner and we'd come outside and, you know, we were like fist pumping because we just had the best day of serving God. My sister Sarah just given a vocal workshop and it was amazing. And she'd just been singing all day and she's just like, Billy, I'm so overworked, but this is awesome. I love doing this with you. We get back to our car. And there's a smashed window on the right side of my car. And I'm like, no way. And there's just glass everywhere. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I'm about to go home and this happened. I look into my car and all my bags are gone. And like Paul, I'm not talking about a victimization speech, but this is just something that I learned from an experience. And my sister Sarah, it was such an emotional moment because my sister Sarah was trying to help me gather what was left over in my car. Because my camera bag was gone with my passport in it. 
my computer bag, all these things, a bunch of my guitar, like thousands and thousands of dollars of things that I'd built over the years. She's just like trying to find her stuff. She's like, Billy, they even stole my boots. She's like, Billy, they stole my makeup. But like as she was trying to look through things, her, hair, her hands were getting cut up and there was blood and then my hands were bleeding. And then like if you didn't remember, Saturday night was so cold. And so we were literally trying to drive home and this wind, this cold Chicago windy city air was just coming through. And we were literally like, God, Chicago. <laughs> and um, Sarah's like, Billy, we'd been driving for 10 minutes. She's like, Billy, turn around. Maybe we can find some bags left over in the street. And I was just like in this place of like, God, should I regret? What did I do? And I was just, I've always been someone that's always been, if only, if only I didn't do that, if only this, if I didn't, you know. Luckily, they left my guitars. If they would have touched my guitars, you know, I would have had to go to, like, Montana for, like, three weeks. Just would have been, like, or Idaho, South Dakota, somewhere just off the grid. Nothing wrong with South Dakota, Idaho, or Montana if you're from there. I love you all. That was for free. But literally, I would have just left and just gone, church, I'm leaving early. Like, literally, it would have been really hard. God, let me keep my guitars. But, you know, I remember my sister told me 20 minutes later, she was like, Billy, you're handling this actually really, really well. Somehow, even before we got home, we'd started laughing about the event. Somehow, God still gave me a joy. And I got home and I was just on my computer trying to find out if I could find my computer. And, you know, I find out that insurance isn't going to cover anything. And so all these things are happening. But still, God gave me this overreaching peace. This, this undeniable and unexplainable joy and I played a house concert and many of you were there at that house concert and you know it was a hard thing playing in front of people and looking happy and I just said to my sister Sarah I'm like Sarah like I don't want anything to take away from this moment with you we're going to sing these songs as siblings she prayed for me and it was the best night ever and for me like if this would have happened to me a year ago I would not have been able to respond in that way and I, I really believe that God grows us on this journey of resilience in Christ because, you know, it's not a normal thing to rejoice when things fall apart. It's not. And I've never been taught that from my public school. It's something that I've learned through the gospel and through gospel followers. So as I share this, it's like I think about some of what Paul went through, even though I went through nothing of what Paul went through, like a tiny fraction. But Paul is explaining that he's so sufficient because he's in the presence of his God in heaven. You know... This self-sufficient word, I'll go back into Greek. This self-sufficient apparently is taken from a, a Greek way of thinking that was connected to Stoic philosophy because philosophers in that day would always talk about, yeah, sufficient f through your mind, sufficiency through knowledge. But often philosophers in that day would say that you're supposed to detach yourself from emotions. You know, Marcus Aurelius once quoted, choose not to be harmed and you won't feel harmed. Don't feel harmed and you haven't been. It's all in the mind. Just escape your thinking. But obviously Paul is responding emotionally because God has given us emotions. And there's a time for grieving. There's a time for mourning. But joy comes in the morning. And dancing comes. I love this scripture. What happens that we see in Acts 16, if you can turn with me there. This is our final scripture. Acts 16.25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. And they were singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. 
singing hymns, praising God in a prison. How would you be? Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. He was about to suicide because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. In this place of darkness and chains, can you see this parallel? Paul and Silas are bringing light undeniable light that is not normal. And this jailer is thinking to himself, if people have escaped, that means I'm going to be killed for this by my authorities. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights. I love this. Called for lights. Wow. Rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus. You'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house And that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his whole household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy, joy, because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. Turning the darkest places into light. Paul and Silas turned this place into a place of ministry. And the person who is keeping them and watching over them in chains actually begins to minister to their wounds. I love this story. Paul and Silas exhibit such a contentment in God's presence and such a peace and a joy and an overriding resilience as they focus on the Lord who is sovereign over their lives, the life giver. So I really believe that Paul knows who he is and that therefore he knows who he is. And you know me, I've always emphasized over this year the the need to know your father and the need. When you know who your father is, you know who you are. It's simple. When things happen, because you know that you are God's child and you know who you are in Christ, you can push through. You can cut through. And so my prayer, I've got a couple of prayers for North Shore here that I've penned. The first prayer that I have is that our church will just really embrace Christ who is eternal life, and just be lost in his love. That we would just know him, be lost in him, be filled by him, and that would be our conversation. Number two, I just pray that our young people would be embraced. Amen? I pray that our young people would be embraced and recognized as leaders, disciples, and innovators, that that the young people would really have a place where they feel a responsibility in this church, and that we're not just dragging them into a place of like, oh, can you do this? But Young people being spirit-led and being innovative. Our young people are not only the future leaders, but they are the present leaders. If our church is to experience growth. Number three, I pray that honesty would become a currency. Wow, honesty. That marriages would seek help and that people with secret addictions would feel comfortable to talk to church family. And that even challenging questions with theology and worldview would be invited and not shunned. That people wouldn't be scared to ask questions. You know, it happens so much within church groups. Oh, did you hear what they questioned about? Questioning about science or questioning about this and questioning about that. Church, let's listen to our people and especially listen to our young people when they have questions and invite questions because God gives answers and clarity. Verse four, sorry, number four. I pray that North, 
you know, tell me about an SDA. You ask someone, what is a Seventh-day Adventist? What is an SDA? Well, they don't eat meat and they don't go to church on Sunday. Okay, so what are they actually for then? Do they actually love anything? What are they? Well, all I know is what they don't do and they dress, they don't wear jewellery, they don't play sport on Saturdays, they don't, yeah, I know exactly what an SDA is and even that's sometimes how we talk about ourselves. Okay, church, North Shore, imagine if church, if, if this community knew what our church was about because of what we stand for, because we are such a community and a haven of rest for people, that our church is flourishing with kingdom friendships, that our church is flourishing with a spirit of unity. If we were known, yes, we believe in Sabbath, but why don't we be known for rest? We carry such a spirit of rest. Yes, let's be known for the health message because we're vibrant, because we smile, and because people can see how we steward our bodies. Yes, let's be known that we don't believe in hell because we believe in life and God is the giver of life. Church, let's talk about life. Can we talk about life? Number five, I pray that creativity would become a force of hope in our church community and that filmmaking and podcasting and music and songwriting would actually be something that is really nourished and cultivated here. I believe, church, that there is so much from what Mr. Martin and the different leaders have been cultivating over the years and over the decade is such a creative spirit and we need to nurture that. And number six, I really pray that our school would flourish, not just because it's a Christian institution, but because it's building faith into kids and it's building character and it's building bright futures. Amen? I really pray that it continues to flourish. And so uh, the great thing about being in Christ is that we can be so content, we can move forward together. And I'm going to sing one song just before I finish thousand stories of what they think you're like but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night and you tell me that you're so pleasing that I'm never alone you're a good good father it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You're a good, good father. And I've seen many searching for answers far and wide but I know that we're all searching for answers you provide cause you know just what we need before we say a word you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. 
to us Oh, you're perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways To us Oh, it's love so undeniable I can hardly speak peace so unexplainable I can hardly think as you call deeper still how you call me deeper still God you calling us deeper still You're a good, good father. To you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you. To who I am, to who I am, to who I am. To you are, to you are, to you are. Church, I just invite you to close your eyes with me right now as we just close up. Father, I just want to thank you so much. Lord, together as we just sing this last song, I just really pray that we'd really meditate on what it means to step out this year. And Lord, these words that have come from my heart, I just pray, Lord, that you'd continue to water this seed. God, because... It's in you that, is, that there is life. It's in you that there is fullness of faith and truth. So God, we just praise you. Church, if you can just repeat after me, if you're feeling God's conviction on your heart um, and the desire to live a life that is not normal, where everything that is normal is changed, it's flipped, can you just repeat after me? Father in heaven, today is different. Today I step out into the unknown. Today I step out into your heart. And I thank you that I can live a, a life that is different. In the name of Jesus.